When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Monday, October 2nd, 2023. Fans First Sports Network Level Up Podcast, College Football Podcast is in the building. Andy P, it's been a manic Monday, hectic weekend, crazy college football weekend, but we got a doozy coming this week. But before we even get into it, we want to ask all you guys to rock with us on the Fans First Sports Network on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And we are now rocking out live on YouTube with the podcast show talking specifically college football with my boy Andy P over there from the Syracuse land. Andy, how you doing this week, man? How's your weekend and how you doing? Doing all right. That Syracuse game was tough to swallow, but Clemson still got it a little bit against that middle tier of the ACC. But we're uh, we're going to be talking about some ACC schools here coming up that have some interesting week uh, week uh, six, week five. Oh, yeah, we're in week six now. Jeez. Week yes. six matchups. Uh, yeah. We've got we've got Red River. We've got the Pac-12 getting weird. Like this is probably not the most exciting grouping of games that we've talked about on this show, but yeah. it is really interesting. And like you were like you were texting me before we got to this show, it does feel like this is a bit of an upset alert Saturday. Yeah, facts. I I've been saying it already. I said for all of our listeners and all of our viewers out there, you got to pay attention. Because this might be the makings of the upset Saturday that we have in college football just because of the paralysis, how things have weighed out for the last couple of weeks in college football. Hey, the one thing about it is that you want to be able to say, my team made it to October 1, and we still got an opportunity to play in the college football playoff. Because some of those perennial powers, Alabama, Clemson, LSU, you ain't smelling it. It's a wrap for you. You're not going to play another game. It's concerning the college football playoff for this season. So some of those teams that are still in position, you got to be sort of grateful. Got to be sort of thankful that, hey, my squad still got a shot to represent my team in the college football playoff, for sure, for sure. So, Andy, yeah, like, before we get, go ahead, go ahead, bro. No, no, like you were saying, like we – one of the things that I thought was really interesting from this week that just happened is that if you kind of look at, you know, LSU basically took themselves out of the college playoff conversation right now. Um, you look at uh, what USC did against Colorado, and yeah. that defense is not playoff quality. Like that's Fact. just that defense. That defense was just not there. So yeah. I started thinking about it, and I went, you know what? I could see Oregon and Washington out of the Pac-12. I think both of those teams are legitimate. Mm-hmm. I think Oklahoma and Texas out of the Big Twelve. Both could be theoretically legitimate. I like Texas a lot more based off what they did against Kansas, but like there's a big 12 champion, Florida Mm. state looks like they might be legit. There's your ACC champion. Mm. Look at the big 10 and you've got Ohio state, Michigan, Penn state all look legitimate. You can only get four teams in the playoff, which means that this year, 
we've already eliminated we've already eliminated the Alabama, the LSU. I think we're going to lose USC along the way. That the teams outside of the playoff this year, for the first time in in, in my opinion, for the first time in the playoff era, there are going to be teams that don't make the playoff that you're going to look back on and say. That's a really good team that could have theoretically beaten any one of those four teams that are up in there. Um, and 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 this this is probably one of the best top heavy years of college football that we've seen in a long time, which makes things actually really exciting to your point because each week it feels like it's back in those old days where like losing the wrong game knocks you out of the race entirely and makes college football way more exciting week to week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, think about it. I mean, Notre Dame sitting at 11, and I think that's because they want to remind them that they only had, they didn't have 11 <laughs> on the field this last week. Yep. But they're sitting at 11 with one loss and has a legitimate opportunity to still run the table and possibly sneak and peek in to where there's other teams that, like you said, it's just a wrap. There's no way they're going to make it. And some of these battles that we're going to see starting this weekend coming down the, the pipe it's going to be some of the best battles you see because teams are really fighting for their literal playoff lives this early in the season. And I can't remember another year where you couldn't say, man, I don't know if this team can beat that team or if, like you said, if they lose a certain week, do they get an opportunity? So this week is where it starts. And, you know, every year in college football, we always have what's called the upset Saturday. Upset alert yeah. should be out there for any team, any team ranked in the top 12. You should be looking at your opponent this week and be like, look, man, we need to prepare manically because on this Manic Monday or it's going to be adios muchachos for me and my team to be able to play in a college football playoff. That sound about correct, Andy? 100%. I think that, you know, we're going to look at a bunch of games where, you know, the spreads might be a little bit higher than you typically expect for a close game. But, like, we really think that these matchups are interesting. And, you yeah. know, the first one, the first one on the docket, I think might be my favorite game of the cult. Like, the, my, I know, I know how much you love Ohio State, Michigan. I know how much you love the Big Ten big games. Yeah. But, man, this, this Big 12 soon to be SEC game that takes place every year on the border at the Texas State Fair might be my favorite game in all of college football every single year. Hey, Andy, man. So, let me, t for clarity, I don't even think Andy knows this. I lived in Austin, Texas from 2008 to 2012. So I know all about the Red River rivalry. Believe me, I know. This played at the Dallas Fairgrounds. And, you know, shout out to my brother. He runs a, a podcast about the Texas Longhorns called Horns and Sons, you know, where he talks Texas football-centric. So I know all about the Red River rivalry. And that's what we're going to get into for our first game. We have Oklahoma playing Texas and what should be Who's going to battle and play for the Big 12 championship? Andy, set this game up for me and tell me a little bit about the Oklahoma Sooners versus the Texas Longhorns in Dallas at the fairgrounds. Yeah, I really like this game, not just because what Texas showed last week. You know, I was here saying that I thought Kansas was going to keep it a close game. It was not a close game in any way, shape, or form, mm. but – uh, Quinn Ewers gets up for big games. This is arguably the biggest game on Texas's schedule. We've mm. seen him ball out in this game before. The mm. big difference for me is that if you look at SP+, both Texas and Oklahoma are ranked in the top 10. But Texas, way more well-balanced. Top 10 offense, yeah. top 10 defense. Oklahoma, top 10 offense, 
only a top 20 defense. And when you're talking about a game like this, it's those little margins that matter. And so for me, I think one of the things that Oklahoma has done so well this season is limit the big play. And that was my biggest concern about that Texas-Alabama game early in the season was I thought Alabama had the ability to really limit big plays with their solid secondary with the coverage. And I didn't know how Sark was going to game plan around that. Man, week after week, this coach has impressed me with the way that he is calling games. He's attacking weaknesses. He's also doing a really great job early in the game, uh, setting up plays for later on. He's giving very specific looks because he wants to build off of those looks later in the game to take those big shots down down the field late in the game and really break the break the game open for the Longhorns. For me, we know what Brett Venables' defensive credentials are. The matchup between Sarkeesian and Venables, this yeah. might be one of the like this is a heavyweight coaching fight in this game, and that is what I'm really looking forward to here. Andy, I, man, I couldn't agree even more. I think that the setup for this coach on coach, mano y mano, both teams moving from the Pac-12 to the SEC is going to have this game frenzic from the outset. The issue is going to be, and this is just my opinion, you know, Texas might not have Javante Sanders, the all-world tight end, and ladies and gentlemen, y'all that rock with me on the NFL podcast and, and talking about it, this kid's Travis Kelsey. So Javion Sanders – Maybe he's a game-time decision, possibly questionable. We don't know. Plays a big part in what Stark is able to do as far as game planning. But the issue has been the emergence of Jonathan Brooks as a running back for Texas's offense. The kid's got 597 yards rushing already, and that's coming off of you losing who looks like a number one talent in the NFL, Bajon Robinson. So they're just yep. plugging and playing right now with the Texas with the Texas offense. Defensively, I ain't sold so much on Texas. They, their front seven is nice, but that back end, especially with the transfer kid, Watt, from the Ohio State University, and 28, yeah. the strong safety, suspect. And there's where the pendulum might swing towards Oklahoma because of Gabriel, the quarterback at Oklahoma. The kid throws the ball all around the yard. We're not giving him his respect because he possibly no. could be a Heisman Trophy contender, especially if he was able to pull off a, this win against Texas. So we're looking at what could happen? What could swing? Which could go which way? And, Andy, it's it's even across the board. So give me one key to this game because this might be the biggest game on the slate. Give me your number one key for the advantage for either team to be able to swing the, the pendulum to the W column for them this week. I'm telling you right now, we were, we're talking about, you know, Texas defense. One of the things that Oklahoma's offense has not done very well this season If you take a look at their offensive efficiency, basically how well do they run the ball, they are 92nd in the country with a negative efficiency margin. That basically means every time that they're handing the ball off, they're either losing yards or they're only gaining one or two yards per play. I am in a position where I think that you look at the Texas defense, top 10 rushing uh, efficiency here. What Oklahoma is going to have to do is ditch the run game entirely and they're yeah. going to have to find a way to attack Texas some other uh, some other way in early down or short yardage situations, whether it's screens, whether it's you know some kind of rub routes or something uh, something small. I am yeah. really intrigued to see what happens here because I I personally I'm rocking with Afton here. I think that Texas is the better team. I think this is Texas's year. 
I think they're going to win this game. I don't think they're going to cover the spread. I think this is a field goal game comes down to whoever Ooh. has the ball last. But okay. I do think that the biggest the biggest key to that game is going to be how does Oklahoma handle the short yard situations because I think Texas is going to nullify that run game. Yeah, yeah, and that that could be the whole key to the game, Andy. That was a great point because does Oklahoma line up and have the ability to run the ball against Texas uh, front seven? Texas plays a lot of shell position, a lot of two-man, a lot of single high. And for all you guys that haven't watched, you need to go out and watch the 11 or 22 personnel film on Patreon where you can actually see a coach's view of what's going on with that particular team. So they play a lot of two-shell, what you call single high or two-shell, where they drop the safeties in the, in the slot coverage. But that leaves them susceptible for a deep crossing route. So it could even come down to can Oklahoma's offensive line hold up against Texas front seven and the pressure? Because if I'm Stark, I'm sending everything but the kitchen sink after Gabriel as far as he's got to – I'm not going to let that running game beat me, but I'm going to put enough pressure on that quarterback to make him make a mistake. But if you know anything about this game, there's so much pressure that happens between the, the student sections – and the fans, because the stadium is split literally in half. Half of it is that burnt orange color. The other half is that crimson red. And when you get down on the other end, it's literally like I'm at home in Oklahoma and I'm at home in Texas. And I've seen over and over again some of the best players and best quarterbacks basically just kill themselves because of which way they're going in the stadium and big play after big play. And Oklahoma and Texas hate each other just as much as the Buckeyes and the Wolverines hate each other. So this thing is bananas. So saying all that, Andy, you said you're going to rock with Texas. Tell me one more time your point spread and your score for the game. No, I like the I like the Texas front seven to beat the Oklahoma front seven more often yeah. enough and put Oklahoma chasing the sticks, which is never what you want to have in a big game like this. I still haven't seen the explosiveness from the Oklahoma offense. I think that it's a, it's good at moving the ball through the air. I don't know if they have the big play capability against the big-time opponent, which is why I'm favoring Texas here because I saw them do that against Alabama. Um, yeah. But, man, it's Red River. It's like you said. It's a weird environment. It's a different environment. There's nothing like it in the country. Nothing. I think this. I think this game ends with Texas getting the ball in the fourth quarter, having a nice steady drive getting down to like the 30, 25 yard line, kicking a field goal, winning this one 27, 24. Hey, I like the score. I like the win. I'm just going to say this, man. I'm going to pick Texas, right? But it's with an asterisk. And the asterisk is, is the moment too big for Quinn yours? Yeah. Be that's the deal because, you know, they're trying to build Quinn up as this most efficient quarterback that's playing in college football. I've watched the 22 film on him. Quinn's not accurate. Not like that. Does he Does he throw the moon ball like Russell Wilson? Yeah. Does he got an all-world, uncheckable wide receiver named Xavier Worthy that's just unstoppable? Absolutely. Xavier Worthy is probably the fastest kid I've seen in college in some years as far as playing yeah. wide receiver. So, but can – is the moment too big for yours? You know, and if your struggles early, the Starkeesian have enough sense to pull him and put Malik Murphy in the game. Because, because Murphy might have the goods because they haven't prepared for him. And knowing what I know about that Red, Red River rivalry, stuff like that happens. Somebody gets hurt. Somebody's not supposed to play. Somebody comes in as a, and is born a star. I saw it for years happen. You know, yep. so 
That's why I'm saying Texas, maybe 27-23, but it might not be the guy who we think is going to leave him. Because I just think there's something about this Quinn Ewers kid that the moment has just been too big. Now, he can show up and show out, which which would also solidify him to have an opportunity to walk across that podium in New York City for that Heisman Trophy because he would have the best two wins under his schedule so far as a quarterback this season. But we're going to see. So I like Texas, but with an asterisk, you know, with an asterisk. And the asterisk is all about Quinn Ewers, all about Ewers for sure, for sure. Hey, so Andy, we're going to get to the next game before we take a break, man. The next game is my beloved, the (laughs) Ohio State University on upset alert. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a travesty that Maryland is not ranked in the top 25. They are 5-0 and a legit team with Tuolatoa's brother playing quarterback for um, uh, the Maryland Terrapins, and the kid is throwing the ball all over the yard. I think they have some of the highest offensive efficiency that I've seen. I watched the, the 22 film with Patreon. Upset alert, Buckeyes, you better be ready to play because this is going to be one heck of a game. You haven't been tested like this all year. Notre Dame is not a test as much as you're going to get tested against Maryland with those defensive backs, and can they cover those guys one-on-one? Because Maryland's going to spread you out outside the hashes. They're going to play outside zone passing and just dump it, dump it, dump it, dump it, dump it, and they want you to make a mistake. So we got a big game, upset alert, Ohio State, Maryland. Andy, what you got for me, bro? Yeah, I actually, I'm glad you talked about the offense because I'm going to talk about the defense here for a minute. I think that one of the underrated aspects of this game is the Maryland defense. SP Plus thinks that it is a top 25 defense. I tend to agree from what I saw. They are a unit that does a really, really good job of not just limiting the big play, uh, but they really prevent you from getting those uh, early down successful plays. Like Maryland is one of those teams that they are happy to give you two yards on first down because at the end of the day, it means that, look, that means you got to go so much further on second down and on third down. And they're willing to do that. Um, like I'm looking at their, you know, their defensive efficiency on early downs. It's a top 40 unit. Their drop back efficiency is a top 40 unit. And so we've had some questions about this Ohio State passing attack. For yeah. me, I don't know if the quarterback – question has necessarily been answered as much as that Notre Dame game made me feel well it's good enough this is one of those games where for Notre Dame you're going in you have touchdown Jesus looking down on you you're amped you've got your game plan on point you're going 110 percent in practice in all the meetings leading up to the game to have a game plan you're comfortable in yeah this is a little bit different, and I, I'm, I don't know what's necessarily going to happen, and that makes it interesting for me to see what how Ohio State responds to Maryland's defense as opposed to, you know, we saw what they could do against Notre Dame. Notre Dame's better than Maryland, but not by much. Do they treat Maryland with the same respect uh, game-planning-wise as they yeah. did Notre Dame? Because if they do, this is going to be a tight game. Ohio State probably wins it, but – Maryland's defense is going to give them another challenge that I'm not sure Ohio State's going to pass and say, like, oh, yeah, that looks really good. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And so flipping it, I think some of the struggle might be for Ohio State. Can the defensive backs hold up against this passing attack? And yes. so this this the deal. You have length of ransom. 
David Espinosa, Josh Proctor, Sonny Styles, and, and Burke. So those are your five defensive backs, corner slash safeties. Like I said, Maryland is going to line up their wide receivers outside of that hash mark and outside of those numbers, probably about 60%. So guess what that leaves open? The middle of the field. And guess who's been suspect for the Buckeyes defense in pass coverage almost the whole season? Steel Chambers and Tommy Eichenberg. Tommy is a tackling machine against the run. I play him every down. But do you? what happens when you put Tommy and you isolate him out in space and you isolate Steel Chambers out in space? So I've been saying all along, to avoid the upset and to have the defense at its best, it's time to get C.J. Hicks in the game. Because he C.J. Hicks can run with any wide receiver out there. But believe me, Maryland's done sat down on film. They're not talking about, okay, this is the, the magnificent Ohio State. They really don't have no, no respect for him. Because if you remember, it was Maryland's coach in 2021 that said that the Buckeyes were soft, i.e. why Lou Holtz echoed it right before the Notre Dame game this year. So now here comes the team that started all this mess about Ohio State being soft and Maryland's got a defense and Maryland's got a quarterback that's going to play in the NFL. So – Man, it's a big-time game going on, Andy. Big-time game. So, saying all that, bro, who you got? I I think that you you nailed it. Going over the middle of the field for the Maryland offense is going to be the only way that they are going to have any success here against this, against this Ohio State team. Because, honestly, 22-and-a-half feels like a lot because, to me, feels like whoever gets the 21st in this game is going to win. I think huh. both defenses are probably good enough to limit the other from really getting into a shootout state. Uh, and I think that Maryland is going to put up a hell of a fight. I, I, Ohio State is definitely the better team across the board. It's just that there is a very clear blueprint here for how Maryland can keep this close and pull the upset. It's Facts. pressure, pressure the young quarterback and continue to put him in second and third and long situations where he has to throw the ball deep downfield, which he hasn't mm. looked that comfortable doing. No. And on the offensive side of the ball, it's, you know, force throws into that middle or take advantage of throws over the middle of the field, keep attacking the middle of the field uh, until, you know, you're able to, you know, make the big play. I think Ohio State's going to do it enough, but for me, I've wanted to know what the Big Ten hierarchy looks like. How does it go in order of Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State? Coming mm -hmm. into the season, I was definitively Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. Mm. I, I think Ohio State's going to win, but I think we're going to come away from this week, and I'm going to put Michigan at the top of the Big Ten pile because mm. Maryland is going to give Ohio State hell for 60 minutes. And yeah. I think it really – and then it makes that Penn State-Ohio State game so much more important. Because it's it's gonna it's gonna be a really interesting way out if Ohio State doesn't dominate Maryland and show that they can you know handle tough opposition week in week out. Yeah, and I think that's gonna be the thing too, Andy, without a shadow of a doubt. Because this is the week this is the week you get exposed on film. So this yeah. game will set the precedence from Ohio State moving forward. Do they have a top ten defense? And can their defense stop a team that's just gonna try to throw the ball all over the yard? We're gonna find out. Now, if they do, then, okay, Ohio State stays at that top level. But if yep. Maryland comes out there and just destroys them in the passing game, now we got film. Now we know how to run certain kind of plays against you, which you know you're not going to be successful. So I think that the smart thing for Coach Day to do this week is to run the football. 
you have probably the deepest set of running backs in all of college football. I mean, Michigan's got two, Penn State's got two, but Ohio State's got five guys that can legitimately play. So lean on your running game and don't expose your run, your young quarterback trying to get into a shootout because the game is going to go back and forth. So low scoring, you win. I don't know. I don't know if it gets up in the high. So, Andy, you got Ohio State. What's your score? I think Ohio State wins this game 23-13. to 13. Mm. I think that it's going to be a lot of defenses really solidifying around the middle of the field and forcing a lot of punting situations. Classic Big Ten game. Uh, but I do like the Buckeyes. I think the Buckeyes do win by two scores. But like you said, you don't want to go, you know, you're, the, the computers in Vegas is saying that, you know, Ohio State is 22 points better than Maryland. That's mm-hmm. a big number. And yeah. that is a lot of people, I think it's underrating Maryland a lot. But it's also yeah. looking at Maryland's strength of schedule and saying, look, if Ohio State's the best team in the Big Ten, they should beat Maryland at 22 points. I don't yeah. think that's going to happen. Yeah. I, I got my final score. Ohio State 31, Maryland 27. Ohio State stops Maryland late. They get a defensive stop to stop Maryland. It's not going to be because the offense has got to go down and score. They're going to stop Maryland defensively. But Maryland and I got a shocker for you guys. Maryland's going to be up at halftime. Maryland will be up at halftime against Ohio State because they have to adjust. They have to adjust. And this is, like I said, this is why we pay the coach to come from Oklahoma State. We're paying him like a head coach. Mm-hmm. We're playing Jim. Mm-hmm. We're paying Coach Knowles like a head coach. So Knowles, you're gonna earn your money this week because I'm telling you, Maryland's gonna pass the ball all over the over the yard. However, give me the Buckeyes, go Bucks, and a 31-27 where the defense stops them. And and I'm gonna tell you this: it could even be closer if they're not able to get pressure on uh, the quarterback for Maryland. We don't have a sack from our defensive ends yet. It's time for them to show up. It's time for them to show up. So I like I like the game. I think it's going to be close. It's upset Saturday. Pay attention to what's going on for sure, for sure. Hey, Andy, we done come to the break, man. So we got to get our first break in for the Level Up podcast on Fans First Sports Network. Me and Andy P. If you're rocking with us on YouTube, give us about 10 seconds, and we'll be right back for our preview for the next coming games. We'll talk to you guys in 10. We're back with the Level Up Podcast on Fans First Sports Network, college football preview. Me and Andy P rocking it out live on YouTube, doing our thing, sitting around the campfire, talking about what's going to be really be happening because we called separation Saturday, one Saturday ago. This week we're calling this one upset Saturday. Andy, we've been right, left and right for the season, don't you think? Definitely agree. I like listen, this has been uh this has been a really a, a great time, and uh, I'm ready. I'm ready to talk about the next game because I'm, I'm looking at a rundown, man. We still got four more games to talk about here. Yeah, which are all upset specials. It yeah. could, it could mm-hmm. go down. It could go down, and that swings the pendulum to the next game. Upset alert! Georgia Bulldogs upset alert! The Kentucky Wildcats are coming in five and zero 
after punishing the Florida Gators and almost breaking a record for yards rushed in the game with one player for 280-some yards, can the Georgia Bulldogs get had? They've looked shady against Auburn. They haven't looked good. They didn't look good against South Carolina. Is this the week that the Bulldogs take the L, dog? Andy talked to me this week and talked to me about what possibly could be the upset Kentucky travels to Athens, Georgia to take on the Bulldogs. Yeah, I I thought what Kentucky did against uh, Florida was one of those classic uh, just punch you in the mouth. They ran a zone concept run uh, run scheme. Essentially, it's a it's a single play. It's a lot of reads. It's a lot of zone running uh, on the on the running back and on the quarter or on the quarterback in the center to really call out where the pressure is coming from. Pick a direction, run the zone running scheme in that way. They ran that for the majority of that game against Florida, and Florida had no answer for it. Their second level tackling and coverage was terrible. I don't think Georgia is going to be that bad. I don't think you're going to be able to replicate that game plan against Georgia. But what it does mean is that there's not a lot of useful film right now. That game, yeah. if you're Georgia, you're like, look, they ran this one play over and over again. Stop that one play. Cool. That meant that they could also hide the playbook really well. And I think what we've seen this season against Georgia is that the uh, the Bulldogs have not just not been as dominant as as they've been in past years. Like this is, I have to get it out of my head too. This is still a very good team. This is still a team yeah. that's probably winning the SEC. This yeah. isn't the Georgia of the last two years that is basically an NFL team on offense and on defense going up against a, good, a very good college team. But, yeah. man, that tight end, Brock Powers. Oh, he's a dog. He is, he's a dog. He's number one tight end. The kid from Sanders is number two. He's number one. He's a top five pick. He's a top that, five pick. That, to me, is the difference. At this point, Georgia only has, like, I Mike Bobo. I did not like that hire to begin with. I did not think that that – what they've shown so far has been a step back from the offensive ideals that Georgia built over the last two years. Yeah. Losing Bobo – or bringing in Bobo is not fixing a whole lot. A lot of the game plan has just been throw it to our big boy and let him yeah. do the work. Yeah. I, I am, I'm with you. I think that Georgia is on upset alert. I don't know if I think it will go the full way. But, man, Kentucky is going to make this game a rock fight. Georgia is more than happy to have a rock fight, but I'm worried that that means on offense, Georgia's just going to run, run pass for the entire game. And Kentucky's like, great. You know, if you're only throwing to Brock Bowers once, you know, once or twice a quarter with the way the new clock rules are going, that yeah. is going to be a win for them. I don't know if I think that Kentucky's going to try to lure Georgia into playing a really stupid football game that benefits yeah. Kentucky and not Georgia. Yeah, I mean, I agree because the issue is Carson Beck only really throws the ball to Bowers. You know, yeah. he's got a couple of other wide receivers that he throws to, but I'm talking about this kid is a one read, throw the ball, get rid of it quick, don't hold on it long, throw it out of bounds. And he's young. He's still wet behind the ears. So what they've done is they've been leaving a lot on the defense of Georgia to pull them out and win games and make the adjustments in the second half. That's how they were able to beat South Carolina, and that's how they were able to beat Auburn. But I'm telling you what, if there's a team in the SEC that can boat run the Georgia Bulldogs, it is the Kentucky Wildcats. Because Kentucky's defense, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you, they're not a punk. They are going to show exotic schemes to Carson Beck like he's never seen before. And what I'm telling you, it's going to come from every which way but loose to try to get pressure on him 
It's coming. So if he's a one-read guy and all he's looking for is Bowers, what do you do? What do you do? And offensively, mono e mono, the big blue wall, they ain't scared. The big blue wall, that offensive line for them Kentucky Wildcats, they will try to run the ball down Georgia's throat and be like, stop us. I, you can't stop us. You know, and that's 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 how they think because they're like, look, we have maybe the best running back. And I, I want to say the kid might be in the top 10 ranking for Heisman Trophy, especially he was able to pull a, a win off this week against Georgia because he, he's a temple transfer and, they, and he's built like a bowling ball. So you can't see him till he gets really to the second wave. Just ask the Florida Gators what happened last week when they got boat ran. So, yep. so the issue is going to be, can Georgia's defense man up? And remember, there's no there's no Davis, there's there's no Carter, there's no Smith. The, the, you know these are guys that's on the NFL on the Philadelphia Eagles. You know yeah. there's no Wingo, <laughs> there's no Mingo, there's no none of those guys are on that Georgia Bulldog defense. And Kentucky's looking like okay. Yeah, you're Georgia, but we ain't got no respect. So I think it's going to be a big-time game. And I look for Kentucky to come out an exotic 12 personnel and attack Georgia in the seams because that's where Georgia's been suspect. That's how South Carolina was gutting them in the first game in the first half. That's how Auburn gutted them. They were attacking Georgia in the seams. So that's where Georgia's weak point is at. So and, and Kentucky's got the team to do it because how you get attacked is through play action pass passing. You got to be willing to have a quarterback turn his back to the defense. But if he turns mm -hmm. around, somebody's running right up the seam wide open. So I think this game is definitely an upset alert for sure, for sure. But Andy, you know how we get out on the show. Who you got this week, man? Georgia Bulldogs versus Kentucky Wildcats. Telling you right now, I'm going to pick the Georgia Bulldogs just because I like if this game was in Lexington, this would be my upset special. I got I got another upset special coming in where I vehemently disagree with Vegas. Okay. But for this game, I think that this is a situation where Georgia is the better team. I think they have just enough talent to pull it off. It's going to be a home game. I think that Kentucky is going to play a really good game. I think it's going to be a really close game. But I, I think that Georgia is just a little bit better over the middle of the field. Um, PFF uh, grades Carson Beck as a 97 out of 100 uh, at throws between 10 and 19 yards. Granted, a quarter of those have been to Brock Bowers. But uh, it's one of those situations where if you can effectively leverage the middle of the field on offense – you will move the ball and get points. And I think that Kentucky, for as good as they are, they don't have the athletes to really defend that part of the field, especially once you start getting Bowers involved. And mm. Georgia will do just enough to win the game. But I, I'm taking Georgia money line, taking Kentucky with the points. Like, this is, this is going to be a one-score game. Yeah, yeah, I agree to, in totality. But I'm going to tell you something. If there's anybody that can do it, it's Coach Stoops down there in Kentucky. If there's any team, let me tell y'all something. Georgia's going to have smooth walking into that SEC championship game unless Kentucky puts up the fight. Because I don't think Missouri yeah. can beat Georgia, and I sure don't believe that Tennessee can beat them. But this is the fight. Yeah. This is where they're going to get into a dog fight, an alley fight, strap them in a phone booth, and the best man, that the strongest man wins coming out. And like I said, that big blue wall ain't nothing to play with. That offensive line for Kentucky, they got two, possibly three kids that's going to be playing on Sundays. Or off of that offensive line. So, saying all that, 
man, my heart wants to pick Kentucky bad. Mm-hmm. But I just know that Georgia is going to pull it out. I'm going to say 27-21 Georgia. But it yeah. might be closer than that. Might be closer than that. Andy, you got that score, or were you close to as far as your score? That 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 just feels right. Like I, mm-hmm. I I'm with you. I want Kentucky to win, but I don't think either team gets 30 here. But I do think that it's going to be a one score game. 27-21 feels just about right. Man, man, man! I'm telling you, uh, it's uh, every time we get to one of these scores and one of these teams, I just cringe. Because I'm like, oh, I don't know because it's upset Saturday and I just don't know what to do. And it's going to be a lot closer than what a lot of people think. Hey, so, Andy, we're going to switch. We're going to the next game. Notre Dame fighting Irish coming off of a nail biter. We called it, Andy. We said Duke was going to take him to the wire. Coming off of a nail biter. Going into Louisville, man. Louisville ain't no joke now. It's a different team to Duke. They're not going to come and line up and try to power run the ball straight at you. They're going to sling that bad baby all over the field. They're saying, we got better athletes than you. So, Andy, give me the little preview about Notre Dame. Minus seven at the Ville. Down there down there in, in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. The Red Rage going on down there, man. I pulled up the Louisville schedule. And the reason that I like this game and yeah. think it's so interesting yeah. is because Louisville – has what I think is a very manageable schedule to yes. potentially only have one loss on the year. Yes. Um, so this game against Notre Dame, even though Notre Dame is like an ACC partner school, this doesn't count for their conference record. This is a non-conference game for Louisville. Facts. And the only other ranked opponents that Louisville has uh, on the year in the ACC uh, are Duke, who they get at home, and they have to go to Miami in the second-to-last game of the year. Kentucky yeah. and Notre Dame on the schedule, but they're non-conference. Right. So if you're, if I'm looking at Louisville, this game is the show-me game. This is mm-hmm. the can-we-be-that-one-loss ACC team that's going to play Florida State in the ACC title game. So at this right. point, you're looking at a lot of one-loss. There's a lot of teams that are going to have one loss, but they all – have a potential path for also getting two losses. So if you beat Miami, you have that tiebreaker. You're going to the title game against FSU. Facts. And I, what Scott Satterfield has done in year one at Louisville is a testament to one, the transfer portal, uh, but two, a great example of, we talk a lot about prime time and what he's done out at Colorado with like revitalizing that culture. Yeah. I remember when I was going to school, Louisville, both in basketball and football, was a team you did not want to play. Not only were they going to put up points on you, but they were going to punch you in the mouth. They're going to play a little bit dirty, but they were going to have the swagger. They had Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Uh, I remember I still had him jumping over Syracuse defenders and getting scoring seven touchdowns seared into my brain. Yeah. This Louisville team is not as good as any of those teams. Do not get me started there. Yeah. But they have the horses to potentially get out in front of a game and then just keep putting up points and points. I really like Jawar Jordan, their running back. He was Look out Syracuse. Now. <laughs> yeah. He ended up getting he ended up transferring because Syracuse had Sean Tucker, who ended up being the third all-time rusher in school history. Like yeah. it's it's a tough lot when you're behind that kind of a guy. But Jordan is a true one-cut burner kind of guy. And the Louisville spread offense is based around okay, we're going to make the defense freeze because if we're going to run with him, he's going to take his one cut against wherever the defense is going and he's going to have space and that's where he's most dangerous. 
And in the passing attack, what Plummer does so well is he is a quick decision maker, find the open man, throw it quick on short short downs or behind the line of scrimmage. And for Notre yeah. Dame, I think we saw in both that Ohio State game, we saw that in the Duke game, they're used to being big, physical, take-up space. Louisville is going to require an entirely different schematic approach to this, and yeah. that's on the coaching staff. And we all still have a lot of questions about the Notre Dame coaching staff right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, team speed – is for Louisville. I, I give when I start checking boxes as far as who I think and benefits in what areas. Yeah, it's always it's sometimes it's excellent O's and execution, but sometimes it comes down to some of those intangibles that people just don't look at. And Louisville has got Notre Dame beat by team speed by a mile. You know that, like how you said, Jawan Jones, look out now. Look, well, look out now. That kid's got almost 600 yards rushing, and it's one cut and go. I seen him take one 74 yards straight to the house. He averages like 7.7 yards per rush. So every time he, he touches it, the boy can score. I mean, he can go to the house. Now, the deal about Plummer is, for Louisville, he chucks the ball all over. He forces the ball into stuff that you just – I'm like, man, what are you doing? But he's risky. And see, when you play a team that's risky, anything can go. Because that means he can have a good game and he can have a bad game. Just ask Notre Dame's quarterback, Sam, Sam Hartman, mm -hmm. because that's what he used to do at Wake Forest. Sam Hartman would chuck the ball all over the field. I've seen games where he threw six touchdown passes against Clemson, and I also see where he laid an egg, you know, against Vanderbilt, and he got killed. So I, he, when you got a kid that just don't care, and he's like, look, I'm throwing the ball out there. I'm chucking it out there. Anything can happen. And when you get speed against strength, sometimes speed gets the advantage. You know, to where defensively and Louisville, they're a little small in the trenches, which Notre Dame should be able to force the ball down their throat. But, man, you never know. You never know in a game like this. Hey, Tim Lyons, I ain't lying. Notre Dame, you need to join the Big Ten. Stop playing. You need to come <laughs> on over to the Big Ten. You Listen, Northwestern's right next door to you, man. They're right next door. So you need to come on and join. You sit right outside of Chicago. Stop playing with my emotions and join the Big Ten. That's where you're supposed to be. But we'll see. I think you're not going to do it anyway because you're mad because you ain't been able to beat Ohio State in God knows how long. But that's just me. But going back to our game, Louisville, team speed, Notre Dame, brute. Andy, who you got? I, I think that Notre Dame is the better team here. But I've seen this story a lot of times back when Louisville was in its heyday. You do yeah. not want to play down there in a primetime night game. That yeah. is when they that is when they get you. I don't think Louisville's gonna win this game. I think Notre Dame is just gonna have enough to pull out the win. But I do think this is going to be a game where Louisville is leading most of the way. And what yeah. you see is in the fourth quarter, uh, I think that Bristley uh Estime, uh the running back uh, at Notre Dame, I think that at some point in time, you just gotta you just gotta give him the ball. You just gotta yeah. let the game go into his hands, eat up as much clock as you can to neutralize that Louisville offensive speed. And yeah. I think that Notre Dame gets a late field goal to win the game. But this is gonna be, I think, Louisville for me is moving up into my surprise ACC championship team. Like I think yeah. that they can run the table in the ACC games that they have left. Uh, and end up playing FSU in the title game. And this is going to be that moment where I think everybody else realizes what Scott Satterfield is doing down in Louisville is something special. Yeah. Hey, Andy, 
man, you almost got me ready to pick Louisville. I'm not <laughs> lying to you. Man, my hands is over here sweating. I'm like, gee, do you do it? Because, you know, once it goes out on the Internet, then people going to call you for it. And I'm mm-hmm, like, oh, mm-hmm. God, I don't know. I don't know, man. And I just I, – it's one of those things, like you said, it's a night game in Louisville. I heard that they were going to rock the all-black uniforms, which, you know, Louisville don't lose too often when they rock the all-black. So and, – and they're like, okay, we respect Notre Dame, but I – we're going to show y'all what speed is all about. So saying all that, Notre Dame 24, Louisville 21. Notre uh-huh. Dame kicks a field goal late. Notre Dame kicks a field goal late. And estimate – now. but I'm going to tell you something. If they don't rely on estimate, they got five running backs in Notre Dame. They got five RBs. So I think yeah. that they can soften Louisville up by rotating the guys and then come from the third going into the fourth quarter – just give it to Estimate, man, and let him run down their throat. But if Hartman makes a mistake, and we're seeing now that Hartman is prone to make mistakes, right? Yeah. He looked unmistakable against Ohio State. He looked mistakable against Duke. So Duke's going to try. So Louisville's going to try to do the same stuff Duke did to him. So let's see, because a mistake in this game, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. I'll pick Notre Dame, but whoever wins the turnover turnover battle is going to win the game. So Hartman messes it up, Notre Dame's out of here. And I'm saying Notre Dame's not going to lose another game. So that's that's just what I'm thinking, Andy. Yeah, I, I think I think that you're right there. I think it's going to be – it's weird to say, but like Notre Dame-Louisville might end up being like the best watch outside of Red River this week, yeah. which is, again, yeah. weird thing to say. Yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be a great, great game. Hey, so Andy, we got one more – game but we're going to take a quick commercial break pause for 10 those that's watching us on youtube we appreciate it we love the live comments over there in the chat please make sure you hit the like button we're going to check out for 10 seconds on fans first sports network level up podcast with me and andy p sitting talking college football just give us a second to pay some bills and we'll be right back with the Level Up Podcast, Fans First Sports Network, me and Andy P. Hey, we're live today on YouTube, but make sure you come back and check us out on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts, and we can be found on FFSN's live feed on Facebook. So you can watch us on all of those platforms to make sure you get your college football information and make sure you listen to the other guys rocking out on the Fans First Sports Network a podcast for college football. My boy Matt done invited me over to the OSU Buckeyes podcast this week sometime. So I'm going to be over there trying to kill it with the Buckeyes because we'd say it's Matt told me it's a safe place, G. So we can come over here and just rock out and talk what we need to talk about for the Buckeyes for sure, for sure. So, Andy, we got our last game on the schedule. Last game. We had to put this on the schedule because this one could be the one, man. We've been calling upset special all week. Upset alert all week. Upset alert for all the games. Last game, Washington State Huskies, who I've been on from the beginning. I've been saying that Washington State is a team to be reckoned with in that Pac-12. On from the beginning, King's a beast. He's a dog. He's a player. He's probably an NFL quarterback, maybe third or fourth round. Coming into UCLA with old Chipper Kelly. (laughs) Trying (laughs) Trying to get it done after that loss to Utah, man. We got UCLA and the Washington State Cougars. Andy, 
Give me the preview, bro. I'm I'm telling you right now, this this is one where I'm looking at Vegas and I go, I do not know what you guys see that that I do not see right here. Because yeah. I am I w- called that UCLA was going to beat Utah. Obviously, that didn't happen. But yeah. I'm looking not, at this. Not me. Oh, oh, no, not, you were right. Me. You were right on yeah. that one. I, I will take the L. I will own the L. I still love <laughs> – I still think that UCLA is being criminally underrated in this massively stacked Pac-12. Mm. But what I saw against Utah was a freshman quarterback, a true freshman quarterback, struggling against a very good defense that yeah. was bringing pressure. He was making poor mistakes. He was rushing into dumb, to dumb plays and throwing a lot of picks. and He was fumbling the ball. Fumbles are a little bit lucky, but like in that situation, you saw it. It's just like you, you make one mistake and it's spinning out because he's a freshman. And the you the craziest thing is that what we have seen since that game is that the Utah offense without Cam Rising ain't it. It, is, it has not. We are now with <laughs> I think we're now at six quarters of no Utah points um, without fire. Cam Rising, yeah. and that to me is worrisome when yeah. you then look back at this game and saw how many points UCLA gave up to Utah, even yeah. though that game was on the road. And yeah. so I went all this time without talking about Washington state. Washington state is ranked within the top 15. Like they that, are, a, true. <laughs> they're a really good team that I think is just, is getting overlooked because of a soft schedule to start their season, mm-hmm. which fair, you know, I'm mm-hmm. not going to be one to fight you on that, but they beat a really good Oregon State team, 38-34, uh, or 38-35, rather. And that was a game where, especially after what I saw Oregon State do to Utah, mm. that the fact that they gave up 34 points and still won the game shows me two things. One, Washington State's offense, it's legit. Yeah. Two, their defense might not be the elite of the elite, but it's enough to get the job done, especially against a freshman quarterback. So even though this game is on the road, I still think that Washington State should be the favored team. I think that they should be the team coming in with the most respect. I really think that this is one of those games where people are just looking at what happened last week and not necessarily looking at the holistic picture here. Man, Andy, I agree, man. And and like I said, I've been saying – the kid that needs to get a chance to run that dang on Heisman Trophy is Cameron Ward. Cameron yeah. Ward is a monster at quarterback, man. I'm telling y'all, he's probably going to be a third-round or fourth-round NFL draft pick, but he's a kid to keep your eyes on at the next level because he can run the ball, he can throw the ball. He's thrown for 1,339 yards, 13 touchdowns, zero interceptions, and almost has a 90% quarterback passing rating. This kid can play, and their and their offensive style, I like it because, to me, it resembles the Philadelphia Eagles from the NFL. They play that wide zone read look. We're going to attack you in the seams, but we have the, most, the best athlete on the field at quarterback, and we're going to play 11-on-11 football versus what a lot of teams try to play where they play 10-on-11 and the quarterback is not a factor. This kid is a player, you know, and UCLA is a little young. They're a little young defensively. They're definitely young offensively. But if there's anybody that can scheme, Kelly can scheme. Kelly yeah. can scheme for a dub, and Kelly can scheme to get boat ran. So, so Kelly, it could go either way for him. So, Andy, Washington yeah. State, UCLA, who you like, man? Who you like? 
I uh, this is one of those games where you look at a lot of the advanced stats, and I, part of the reason why I think the score is so close is that SP Plus has UCLA ranked a few spots higher than Washington State, which is crazy to me. You look at the f- football power index on ESPN, UCLA is ranked a couple spots higher than Washington State. But my boy over at College Football uh, Advanced Stats, CFBGraphs.com, uh, he goes Twitter, Stats O'War. He yeah. has, to me, what I think is going to be the biggest uh, the biggest differentiator here. And it's, yeah. it's like the guy that you're talking about. Uh, Washington, fifth best effective passing game in the entire country. UCLA's defense, uh, 20th in terms of stopping the pass. That might not necessarily – like, that's a great matchup to watch. But in an era where offense is the favored, where you know that if this game is going to be a track meet, you're going to have – you're going to ask a junior experienced quarterback to go up against a freshman five-star quarterback that we've already seen get flustered before, mm. man, I think that this is technically, I know it shouldn't be an upset, but technically this is a Vegas upset. I like Washington state to win this game. I think it's going to be a really fun game. I yeah. think ultimately this one ends Washington state 34 UCLA 30 ish. I think is where yeah. we're sitting at going to be a yeah. lot of points. It's going to be a lot of fun. But this is going to be a classic Pac-12 game that, like, you're going to turn on in the middle of and go, "Oh my goodness, I don't want to turn this thing off." Yeah, facts. I, I'm going to pick Washington State to win 38-28. I think Washington State and that Apple Cup, Tim, you are 150 true. That Apple Cup is going to be off the chain this year when the Washington Huskies line up and play the Washington Cougars, Washington Cougars, Washington State Cougars. It's going to be off the hook, man. So, but I think that Washington State wins this game. It's going to be a lot closer than what you think, but I think it's going to be a late pullout. Andy, I forgot a game. And this is the bonus game that I think that we <laughs> both wanted to talk about. And this is the one where why we've been screaming upset alert because it was actually in the middle of our schedule. LSU, Tigers, Mr. Kelly down there, <laughs> the three and two LSU Tigers. Coming in playing an undefeated Missouri Tigers from the SEC that could possibly, possibly represent the SEC in the playoff. LSU still ranked. Missouri now ranked. Big time game for the Missouri Tigers. Andy, talk to me. Set this game up for for the fans out there. Uh, I think one of the more interesting things that happened at Missouri, again, we talked about the portaling with Louisville. Missouri was in a weird situation where their head coach was on basically a lame duck contract. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of money to buy him out for the last two years, but you can't really go into the SEC and say like, oh, well, I only have two years left on my deal. You know, you can get really negatively recruited again. So Missouri did that I thought was really interesting is that yeah. they basically took the amount of money that it would take to buy him out, and they yeah. added the, that money into years on the back end of the deal. So he got an extension, but it's not any more expensive for Missouri to fire him. And yeah. you might and you might be going like, why the heck? Why the heck does this matter? Because it basically is the moment where you go, oh, this was the this is a show me year for this entire yeah. staff at Missouri. Yeah. And what we have seen is leveraging of the transfer portal to build one of the best wide receiver groups in the entire country. Top five, is, without a doubt. I I can't believe that I'm saying this, but like 
this is probably the deepest receiving group that I have ever seen. You've got Luther Burden the third, Theo Wees Jr., yes. Mookie Cooper, yes. all of them, double-digit receptions, all of them. Uh, well, Luther Burden and Wees both have multiple touchdowns, and then you added Marquise, Marquise Johnson, only five receptions, but 182 yards as like the big play threat with two touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. This this wide receiver group is really solid. And so far this season, Missouri going over the middle of the field uh, between the distances of 10 and 19 yards, graded at 97 at PFF with yeah. uh, a completion percentage of over 70%. That is yeah. insane. That's yeah. not sustainable long-term. Like No team is going to be that good hitting the middle of the field that deep down the field. Uh, it goes to show you what LSU was up against, and I'm telling you right now, that LSU secondary is not good. I think we can officially Suspect. say it out. I, Suspect. I, yeah, I, I, I'm going to take this as an opportunity to talk about my Q's boys, but like they brought in Deuce Chestnut, who was a four-star recruit. He went to Syracuse for a year. Uh, yeah. They ended up like poaching him in a transfer portal. And Deuce Chestnut is a very good receiver, but he is not doing well in that LSU man-up, physical, bump-at-the-line-of-scrimmage kind of style. They are, I think this is going to be a lot like the Florida State game where they are just going to punish these guys on routes deep, deep posts, deep streaks, anything more than 10 yards down the field. They are going to say, okay, challenge us. Come on. Yeah. They're going to dare them to play zone all game. And LSU, I think, is too stupid to do it. Yeah. Well, and this is the thing about Missouri. They have an SEC offensive and defensive line. So don't get it twisted. I think their offensive line averages 6'6", 315 pounds. I think they have a definite depth and rotation in the defensive line. And they play the traditional 4-3 power on defense. So it's not like LSU is just going to get up and go power left, power right, power left, power right. No, Missouri's going to stop them, you know, because they, yeah. they have built in the trenches for sure, for sure. But the, the issue with a guy that I like more than anybody is Cody Schrader, the running back from Missouri. Cody Schrader is a – listen, ladies and gentlemen, if you have not been introduced to Cody Schrader, you need to go back and check him out on the Patreon 22 personnel film. Cody Schrader is a beast. 81 carries, 436 yards, three touchdowns, 5.7 yards per carry. This kid can play football. He's a big-time running back down there playing for Missouri. And like we said, when you have all-world wide receiver talent, you got a quarterback that's not scared to throw the ball all over the yard because he's thrown for 11 touchdowns, zero interceptions, by the way, and almost 1,700 yards. And then you hit him back with a running back that almost run for 500 yards? Hey, Missouri got something special jumping off on the offensive side of the ball, and I think it's just too much for LSU. I, I yeah. think that Kelly, Kelly has done what he did at Notre Dame. He's now done it at LSU. He's done ruined them because it's his way or the highway. You know, and I just don't think he fits the culture of LSU. And they're five games in, and their college football playoff hopes is over. Now the only thing they can do is upset teams and put himself in position to try to get to a decent bowl game. Because you ain't going to the college football playoff, buddy, not with two losses this early in the season. So saying all that, Andy, we call it upset alert. We call it upset week, upset Monday. Who you got? Missouri versus the LSU Tigers. Afton, I'm really sorry here, but I'm going with Mizzou. I think that this is a team that 
is a dark horse to go undefeated in the SEC and meet Georgia in the SEC title game. Sounds weird. I'm still not used to it. But like you said, Big G, I just think that when you look at Missouri, they match up so well against LSU. Like it's just right. every everything that Missouri does well, LSU has struggled with game in and game out. And to me, this feels like a game where I am taking Missouri. I'm taking the Missouri points. I'm taking the Missouri money line. I think Missouri wins this game 35-21. I don't think it's close. I think Missouri wins this one going away. Andy, upset alert. Upset alert. We've been calling. We've been close. But we're going to double ride with the Missouri Tigers this week. Missouri Tigers 38, LSU 24. Missouri boat rushes them in the fourth quarter. <laughs> they, they boat rush them down the field. They kill them. They run them off the stadium. And it, and it might be the end of the era down to LSU this early. Because three lost LSU team, somebody might get canned. <laughs> somebody, I don't know who it is. It might not be Kelly. It could be the DC. It could be the OC. But somebody's up out of there, down there, and go Tigerland and Baton Rouge. show this week Andy we talked a lot of football with a lot of stuff we had a lot of feedback in the live chat anything you want to tell the, the people out there listening before we sign off on this week's show of fans first sports network level up college football podcast as always follow me everywhere at AC Pregler Blue Sky at Twitter at Substack like I got I got all the all the socials at AC Pregler on all of them and again, make sure that you're following this Fans First College feed. I've got my ACC show coming out every week if you want to focus in on ACC land uh, and follow. Uh, go, in, go in your podcast apps and search for Disloyal Idiots if you're a Syracuse fan. Uh, we do our Syracuse podcast every week. We've got some really cool things cooking up with some, with some orange alumni that we got in contact with that are going to come on the show and do some really cool interviews moving forward. For facts, facts, for sure, for sure. Hey, and don't forget to check me out this week as I, I rock out on with Matt and them over in Buckeye land on the Fans First Sports Network college football preview show with Ohio State. Man, it's going to be a great time. And you know, always, you can always check me with the Pump the Breaks podcast, with the Homies podcast, with the Homies Overtime, and never forget the, the, the home base Know-It-Alls podcast with me, Mod and my boy Tate Boy Fresh as we get it in weekly talking about all sports. But we've had a great time, a great show. We appreciate all y'all rocking with us. We will check you guys next week. And thank you again for listening to the Fans First Sports Network Level Up Podcast with me and Andy P. Peace.